0: Welcome to Season 5 of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. When I started this podcast a few years ago, there was only a handful of electric vehicles available to Canadians, and most of those started with Tesla. There was certainly no shortage of coming-soon EVs, however, as it did with so many aspects of our lives, the pandemic proved a very disruptive force in getting those vehicles into Canadian dealerships. Inventory remains an issue as most every new EV has some sort of waiting list associated with it. However, those lines are getting shorter and industry observers predict by springtime production and supply chains should be returned to normal. Which is great timing as the 2023 model year is a massive one for the country's electric vehicle marketplace with almost every automaker offering an all-new EV to address the growing demand in Canada. My guest this week is no stranger to the show as he shared his extensive electric vehicle knowledge with us during all of the past four seasons of Plugged In. Ken Bocor is the Toronto-based host of the EV Revolution show on YouTube, a consumer-focused show offering great shopping advice for anyone looking to buy a new EV. Well, it's great to have you back
1: on the show, Ken. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and, and uh, best of luck for season five. Congrats.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'd like to think that since you've been a recurring guest on every episode or every season, that um, part of the success of this goes to you and your, your extensive knowledge of electric vehicles.
1: You're too kind.
0: So let's start with um, the most recent EV that you've driven and your impressions of it.
1: Yeah, the most recent one was the um, Genesis Electrified G80 had a chance to spend a week with that. And I was very surprised at the vehicle because as you know, Andrew, it's been available for a little uh, while now in an internal combustion form. But Genesis actually designed that, the chassis and that vehicle with full electrification in mind. So now that they've outfitted it in a full electric all-wheel drive manner, it's an outstanding vehicle. It's very quiet, very pleasant to drive, very good range and handling characteristics. I tell you, the South Koreans, they really know how to build these EVs.
0: Yeah, you and I were on um, the, the Eco Run this summer, the AJAC Eco Run, and um, that vehicle, being a big sedan, I didn't expect it to kind of top the charts when it came to efficiency over the two days of driving. Um, but it did. It was second place to to a number of smaller cars. So as you say, the South Koreans, that, that, um, that Kia, Hyundai, Genesis, Juggernaut is really doing some great things with their EV technology software in partic- particular.
1: They absolutely are. It's a very pleasant car to drive. I don't think Canadian pricing has been released yet, but I think in that larger luxury uh, sedan price point or category, which there isn't a lot of competition, I think it's going to do quite well.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it underscores too what we're talking about today, and that's new new, new EVs coming for 2023. Um, I mean, in terms of the landscape of EVs in Canada, I mean, would you have a sense of how many models are going to be available in 2023 for Canadians
1: yeah it looks like it's going to continue the trend Andrew you know last year I think we had over the last year and a half about 25 to 30 different models and trims I think that's going to continue into 2023 and 2024 as more models get announced and trim packages within those Uh, at least another dozen or so that will hit Canadian shores within the next year or so it's a good time to be looking at an EV
0: something that we'll be covering is, you know, the different segments of EVs that are going to be available now, pickup trucks, large SUVs, things like that. And that kind of is a, a changing face of the EV revolution, isn't it? In the beginning, it was small hatchbacks, small sedans. Um, I mean, Tesla did have, of course, the Model X, which was a larger EV, uh, SUV. But this is, this is an indication that we're kind of entering a new phase of the EV um, takeover in Canada in the sense that Pretty much every segment now has an electric vehicle option. Totally
1: uh, agree. And it's a great analysis. I mean, some, you know, I think you've asked the question before, is this a tipping point? You can certainly look at it as a tipping point where we start to see fully electrified models hit every vehicle category that's out there. I think we've seen that. We'll continue to see the number of models and trims in each of those categories just to expand. And that's what we need for consumers is more choice.
0: Which leads to the question of of you know EV adoption in Canada. I mean, more and more people. I mean, anecdotally, people I speak with tell me matter of factly that their next e, their next vehicle purchase will be an EV. Um, I I think sometimes inventory and the realities of of looking deeper into it maybe make them hold off on that. But I mean, what are we seeing in terms of the uh, the the take rate for for EVs compared to gas vehicles in Canada?
1: It's definitely on the climb where it's counter uh, to what the actual internal combustion vehicle marketplace is. It's going down from a global sales perspective. You know, I started covering the EV landscape back in 2016 and starting to chart what models were available. You mentioned some earlier with some of the older Nissan Leafs and Model S, you know, back in 2010, uh, 2011 time frame. Um, When I started that chart, there were like about 10 different uh, models and trims on it. Now my chart has or my spreadsheet has well over 120 different models and trims on it. A lot of growth there and that growth globally, um, we should hit about 10 to 12 percent of the global market share for plugins this year, which is a substantial number as we as we get into that double digit range. And that's up um, for about eight to nine million units from just under seven for last year for 2021. And the good thing about those numbers is that 75% of those are all electric. So people are looking at plug-in hybrids, but most of them, the majority, three quarters, are choosing all electric when they're looking at EVs. Now for Canada, we're seeing great growth as well. For plug-in vehicles, we should hit around 74,000 units this year, and that's going to be up about 15% year-over-year from twenty twenty one, which is around the sixty four thousand unit range, now Tesla's still the most popular at about forty five percent of that makeup, but others are gaining, and we're going to talk about some of those others in a bit.
0: Yeah, so let's start with Tesla, um, kind of the the originator of the EV, this this twenty um, first century electric vehicle. Um, anyway, um, what do we expect from Tesla in twenty three?
1: Well, i don't know if we'll see any refreshes to the existing models you know they have that full sexy model lineup as they call it with the model s uh the model three uh the model x and the model y doing quite well the y is really now i think we're seeing the turning point of that being their bread and butter product which uh, elon said it would be so we are starting to see model y's uh, sales take over for model three But this year from Tesla, we might see something new in in the form of the Cybertruck. They've been talking about this for quite some time after they announced it. Um, It may come out this year. Uh, You know, I'm not next year. I'm not holding my breath because um, you know Tesla is not the greatest for dates. But if it does come out, they have, my understanding, well over two million reservations for these, and these are going to be a pretty competent sci-fi looking pickup truck that has you know tri-motor capabilities and dual motor all-wheel drive starting at $70,000 us i forget what that is Um, in fact you can get the single motor for around 39.9 if that happens so uh us so somewhere in the mid 40s to low to uh high 40s i guess for the base model i haven't looked at uh, what canadian pricing might be but we might see that come out next year i know there's a lot of
0: people that are waiting for this so i i do hope we do see it hit production so so interesting that the electric, as we as we talked about just earlier about the segments, pickup trucks. Um, you know the Ford Lightning is is out and about. I've seen it driving around in the states. Um, I saw a Rivian down in Seattle a few days ago. Rumor is there's one running around Vancouver. I haven't seen it yet, but it's not in your are. driveway. Well, believe it or not, uh, it's not in my <laughs> driveway. Um, also saw of course the the the, the big Hummer EV. Um, you know which is kind of I guess it's a pickup. It is a pickup truck, but it's. Um, it's more, well, as they call it, the super truck. It's kind of not a working truck, it's more kind of a pleasure vehicle. But General Motors, um, obviously they're, they're, they're bread and butter, as all the big threes are, is pickup trucks. Um, Chevrolet is really doing some interesting things this coming year, they've got three vehicles, the Blazer EV, the Equinox, and the Silverado EV pickup truck. So what do, what do, what do you expect to see in these vehicles?
1: Well, people who follow my channel know that I've been talking about GM and their electrification movement for several years now as they continue to make announcements. And we're finally starting to see the, the fruits of all those uh, announcements and PR releases and, and the over $35 billion that GM has spent towards electrification. It's a big shift to turn. And as you mentioned, three great products coming out for 2023. Um, The Silverado EV, their best-selling vehicle within their model lineup for Chevrolet, a full-size pickup truck. You know, this thing's going to take on the F-150 head-on. One of the the key differentiators to the um, Silverado is that it's based on the fully electrified Altium platform, whereas the F-150 is is an existing platform that's electrified. So it's not a true ground-up EV design as you and I know them to be. When OEMs base them on these uh, all-electric platforms, so it's going to, I believe, has some characteristics that are going to do really well stacked up against the F-150. It's a very popular truck for General Motors. Uh, they'll come out with a the high end first, as they all do, and then trickle that down to the work truck version, which will get you, you know, in excess of uh, 400 kilometers of range at a really good uh, price point.
0: And then, and then, what about the the Blazer EV?
1: Yeah, the Blazer EV was their next reveal, which is their mid-size SUV. Again, a very popular choice for a lot of consumers that look at mid-size SUVs. Again, based on that Altium platform that has the ability to scale. You can enlarge it, you can shrink it, you can add more batteries, change the motors up. But the, the platform is basically the same. Uh, it'll come in various trim levels with lots of good technologies you know, starting in in the excess of 400 kilometer ranges and going up to almost 500 kilometer range or in excess of that. The RS trim I think is pegged at 320 miles. So that's well over uh, 500 kilometers from that standpoint. The key to all the GM products as well is their ability to fast charge. Um, to get up to 150 to 190 kilowatts of DC fast charging and what that means to people that are listening is that when you do a road trip and you find a a capable charger you'll be able to get from 10 to 80% in that 20 to 30 minute time frame which won't make it that cumbersome of a road trip stop to do. Pricings, you know, it's going to start um, in in the uh, high 40s and go up to scale from that to mid to high 40s. Should qualify some of the trims for the federal rebate as well. And I think it's really going to be a key mover for uh, Chevrolet and General Motors. And you're going to ask me about the Equinox. Well, that's the one that I'm really super impressed with because this is their, I think, their first step into the mass market uh, price point. For consumers, $35,000 Canadian for their entry-level 1LT trim, something that'll do 420 kilometers, 150 kilowatt charging, a good package, and you can option up to all the different packages there. Uh, this is really something that I think that's gonna set the bar as we try to, uh, as we hope that OEMs are gonna start bringing that electrification price point down to open it up to the mass market.
0: I think also key with the, the, the I mean, when you call, we'll call these domestics, they're built in America, in the United States, but I mean, it's North America, it's the continent. So it kind of solves a problem, which we're, we've been experiencing the last few years, which is inventory, you know, bringing cars from Asia and bringing cars from Germany and Europe that are built there. We're going to have an advantage or Chevrolet is going to have an advantage for Canadians, I think, because the supply pipeline is going to be States than us. Um, I think we're we're kind of third and fourth and fifth and sixth when it comes to some other zones. So I think that is going to be a selling point too, is you're actually going to be able to get these vehicles.
1: Correct. I mean, you mentioned earlier about potential wait lists and things like that. If if there's anything that's going to hinder early deliveries, it'll just be the demand. I mean, Silverado itself, which can easily get to a hundred thousand dollar pickup truck, you know, 80 to a hundred thousand dollars when you optioned it out. They've had well over 150,000 reservations. So people put money down for this on that wait list. Are, do people want EVs? They certainly do. They're putting money down to
0: show it. What's interesting too, in the pickup segment, again, this might be a little anecdotal, but I've heard it from a few um, um, you know, industry watchers is, is upwards of 40% of the Ford Lightnings that have been um, ordered are from people that have never owned a pickup truck before, which is fascinating to me because you know the utility everybody who knows somebody with a pickup truck you know wants to use it on a weekend everybody wants a pickup truck around but of course with fuel prices even you know 10 years ago that was always a thing that got people not buying a pickup truck was oh it's big and it's unaffordable and things and now suddenly when it's electric that kind of equation is out of the thing and out of the mix and now it's kind of like yeah i want to pick up who wouldn't it's it, it's wonderful to have especially one with you know seating for four and five it's it's a a family car but it's also got the box in the back which is great for utility
1: and one of the things that you know andrew since uh, you've driven the f-150 i haven't as of yet but is is the ability uh for it to be a much more comfortable driving experience you know f-150 has a rear independent suspension i believe so which is different you don't get that that hopping of the bed that you can on pickup trucks and with that instant torque factoring from the electronics and the motors and the low center of gravity with the weight of the battery from ultium it creates a really nice driving experience
0: yeah no question it's um i think people will as you say people have have put down money for these vehicles and um, i think once people get in them and drive them the demand will be fueled even more so let's 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 go across the ocean and talk about um South Korea um as we mentioned you know the the Hyundai is the Kia is the Genesis of the world they are, are building you know some of the best EVs in the world. Um Hyundai just has kind of shown off this new Ioniq 6. What do we know about that one?
1: You know a great looking vehicle. Here we have another entry into the mid-sized luxury uh marketplace. This is going they're going directly after the Tesla Model 3, the BMW um, you know i four to a degree um, and, and uh, Audi equivalents to that. That's the market that you want to go after. This is a really nice looking vehicle. Hyundai's been doing some great things with their design language. You, you know, we know they, the Ionic 5 really kind of set the industry apart with that design language and was something totally different, yet extremely practical and rewarding from a, from a drivability and from a usability aspect. So the Ionic 6, I think, is going to do really well, again, based on their EGMP platform, an all-electric design ground-up platform to give them all the benefits that, that come along with all-electric platforms. A low drag coefficient of 0.21, so that's really low from a production vehicle's standpoint. It should get really good ranges. You should get, you know, in excess of the 450, 480, 500 kilometer ranges, depending on what battery packs we see. Nice looking vehicle. Sit, seats five. I think they're going to do really well in that market space uh, with this vehicle.
0: One of the things the Ionic is kind of the Ionic brand has been has been pushing and and offering is this um this ability to you know run a laptop and run run a you know a computer screen or whatever off by plugging into the vehicle essentially so you know other manufacturers are starting to do that but again it seems like the the South Koreans are really kind of packaging their vehicles with with the latest stuff and um for, for a price point that is very very tempting
1: exactly you know that vehicle to load technology as you're describing there. You know, you want to take it. Uh, you want to pull over in the side of the road and boil a kettle or toast some bread or whatever. If you have a small appliance, you can do that from the vehicle. And even you know, if you go camping or picnicking, things like that. These are some features that become available that weren't there before. You know, sure you can get an inverter on a 12 volt and, and pull a little bit, but nothing that you can on the Ionic Six. So uh, and with the Ionic and with the Hyundai and the Kia products, as well as the Genesis, all offering this capability. Andrew and his guest will be right back after this word from our sponsor
0: So, let's talk about Kia. Um you know, it's wonderful to see there's a second generation, well, I guess the leaf has been second generation. but you know, it's wonderful to see that we're starting to see second generation EVs, you know, starting to show the maturity of the segment in the fact that that they're not initial offerings and they're the, the as with gas vehicles, the second, third, fourth generations are always improvements over the first, or at least that's the theory. and. I think typically they are. Um, The Kia Niro EV is coming as a second generation. Um, Is that going to be a better one than the original?
1: I think so overall. Uh, I think from a range, uh, from a battery capacity, they're staying, they're holding basically Pat with what they have, somewhere in around a 65 kilowatt hour battery pack uh, with that 200 horsepower single motor, which is a front wheel drive, I believe, on the Nero. Nero's been a great product for Kia. It's a really good package because it's not too big, not too small as an SUV, very comfortable. Good cargo space and good passenger space. It was my 2019 EV of the year pick for that reason. And it was priced very affordable as well. So what they've done is an exterior and interior refresh to the Kia Niro. It looks much different, much more sportier, a little more aggressive, a little more modern than it did. Uh, tweaked the interior and added some, uh, some tech as well to it. Uh, the power system itself is relatively unchanged. Um, Still based on 400-volt architecture, nothing wrong with that. It's a great all purpose EV, and the price point is really good. Again, qualifies for that $5,000 federal rebate and pretty well most provincial rebates and incentives that are out there. So you can get into this most likely into the low 40s, maybe even below 40, depending on what trim you get.
0: Yeah, it it seems to, I mean, you know, I get asked by a lot of people about EVs, and, you know, it always comes down to a user case. It always comes down to what do you need this vehicle to do. And, um, you know, the Kia Nero, first generation and second to me is just the perfect commuter car. Mm -hmm. It it just, and and that's where, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of them in my Vancouver neighborhood and on the highways and things it's, as you say, it's, it's a good size and, um, it has more than enough range as a commuter. And it just seems like that's where if people say they just need it as a commuter car, that's I always tell them the Nero is one you have to check out. Yeah, I mean, it'll 400
1: kilometer range isn't anything to sneeze at either. I mean, it'll DC fast charge 10 to 80 in under 45 minutes, so it's a little longer than some of the newer uh, pack systems that we're seeing uh, from from a lot of the OEMs. But it's still doable. I know people that'll drive across Canada in that, uh, as long as they can find the charging stations, which there are now coast to coast networks out there.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about a vehicle that we, you and I have talked about, probably in season one we talked about this vehicle, saying it's coming soon, we'll, we can't wait to drive it next year. Well, next year turned into next year, turned into next year. <laughs> um, the Nissan area from a company that um, you know kind of forged the path of EVs with the Nissan LEAF.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really glad to see this finally come from Nissan. They have been a little behind the eight ball in advancing their electrification strategy. I know they're focusing on this four-force element, which is a combination of hybrid and uh, full EV technologies in some of the vehicles, mainly in the Asia market space. But the Aria is gonna be a great entry into that midsize SUV space. It's a really nice looking vehicle, has nice lines and design language, brand new uh, power infrastructure and powertrain to it. Um, you know, good thermal management. So the, and with uh, CCS charging now available, which is something they were stuck on the Chatmo standard on the older products, this should do very well. They've got great technology with ProPilot um, and they've upgraded that to 2.0 versions and additional safety features. This is going to be a very competent vehicle, both front-wheel drive variant and an all-wheel drive dual motor variant as well. You know, any, anywhere from you know 240 horse to almost 400 horsepower with over 400 pound-feet of torque on the higher end. 480 kilometer range. Again, you know, good fast charging. Uh, we don't have pricing yet, unless you know something I don't. But I do expect some of these uh, starting trim packages to be able to qualify for that federal incentive.
0: Yeah uh, yeah that's the magic number isn't it and um I think I think you're right I think they will but there is no price yet. Um okay from a from a kind of um foundational automaker when it comes to EV Nissan let's talk about a newcomer on the scene that's Polestar. Um Polestar 1 came out a few years ago as a plug-in hybrid very exotic vehicle very low volume um it's a collector's item already so that's kind of they didn't they, that was just kind of like a halo car to make a splash of the name. Polestar 2 has been out now. Um, for a couple of years, seems to be doing very well. And now the next one in their lineup, Polestar 3. What do we know about that?
1: Yeah, well, as you know, Andrew, Polestar is uh, is a brand name that's manufactured by Geely, a Chinese-based company that owns Volvo as well and lots of other brands that I'm I'm finding out. Uh, They have a lot of good stuff in China that we don't see, unfortunately. Polestar 3 is their next generation from the 2. The 2 is a sedan with a hatchback. Uh, both the front-wheel and all-wheel drive versions. This is a more mid-size or larger uh, electric all uh, all-electric SUV. Again, they're gonna going after that higher-end market space. They're trying to compete with the Model X and even the uh, Audi Q6 Sporttron uh, Sportback e-tron as well. So those are some higher-priced products. So we don't know what the pricing will be. They should be very competitive. They've got a good platform. Again, it's an electric electrified design platform. Uh, really uh, easy uh, for consumers to adopt and use inside technology. They've got one of the simplest and less complex interfaces out there as far as infotainment and nav systems and, and EV systems out there. So I think they're going to do quite well. Price point, we'll probably see that in the, I would say, the high 80s. Canadian don't have any pricing yet to start. We'll have to see what happens there.
0: Yeah, it it is certainly a luxury vehicle. I mean, when we're talking about the Kia Niro as a commuter vehicle, the Polestar three and the Polestar two for that matter, um, more kind of like a like a Volvo kind of thing. There there is that mm-hmm. relationship between the two companies. And, you know, even when I drive a Polestar, I, I kind of you, you kind of get these kind of cues that you're in a Volvo just from the the kind of Swedish design, um, very clean, very straight lines and um as you say that the, the connectivity, the Google system that they have is, is, is stellar. It's, it's in my opinion, the best in the business. So, um, Polestar 3 is going to be a very strong car for sure. Mm -hmm. And very good build quality. I would add, I mean, some people are suspect on that. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So, um, okay, let's, we're we're on the luxury line. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. Mercedes-Benz. Um, you know, they've had the EQS sedan in Canada now for about a year, beautiful car, big executive sedan, you know, it's kind of the the S or it's Mercedes EQ is the company and the EQS is the vehicle. Um now they have an SUV based on that, the EQS SUV. Um I drove it last week in Denver. Very beautiful vehicle, um big full-size SUV, very capable, stuffed with tech. Um you know, Mercedes is really starting to do a lot of OTA over the air upgrades. There's a whole laundry list of things that are gonna be coming to that. It has a little rear wheel steering, 4.5 degrees, up, or optional 10 degree rear wheel steering. Sounds like a gimmick. Um, We went on an off-road course in the Rocky Mountains in this thing. And while probably not many people in their $140,000 SUV are gonna off-road, this thing was capable beyond measure. I mean, we went up some steep stuff. We went over some really bumpy stuff. We did some tight turns and it was it was mind-blowing how wonderful this luxury suv was off-road um what what are you what's your take on this entering the market
1: yeah it's going to do well i think in that luxury suv class i mean this is purely something that's going to be in excess of probably one hundred forty thousand canadian or something like that as a starting price but You know, you hit a great point, Andrew. The capabilities of these all-electric dedicated platforms, you know, this is based on uh, Mercedes-Benz electric vehicle architecture, so it's not a conversion product. The capabilities of the engineering, the the instant torque vectoring, the power control delivery, you don't have to put, you know, big uh, expensive lift kits in these things and, and all these torque vectoring. Bolt-ons that you might have to do for internal combustion vehicles, they just come with it. And to have that capability in a roll-off the production line, you know, a family SUV is outstanding to be able to do what you described. So I think Mercedes is gonna do very well with this. They've proven the the MBUX hyperscreen now, the rear axle steering as you talked about. Not only is it is the rear axle great for climbing hills in this thing, but for tight, you know, maneuvering in city streets and maneuvering around. So it's proven to be a great technology. I think they'll do very well, uh, very strong, you know, all-wheel drive and uh, uh, power uh, ratings of 536 horsepower, I believe, and almost uh, 640 pound-feet of torque, a lot of different things. Good mileage, you know, over 500-kilometer ranges on these things with the ability to fast-charge 200 kilowatts. It's uh, definitely going to do well.
0: Yes, for, I mean, again, the well-heeled, it's an expensive vehicle. So, But then again, I mean, as we say, the whole segment um suite of segments is being filled in and and why not full-size luxury SUVs that are electric. So we're on the topic of off the beaten pack. Let's talk about Subaru. Um, Subaru has their first ever electric vehicle coming to market, the Solterra. Um, Tell me about that one.
1: Yeah, so this is co-developed with Toyota. So if you've seen the Toyota uh, BZ4X, it looks a lot like the Solterra. They're they're very similar design language. I kind of like the Subaru version a little bit better. It just... I think they've they've taken their DNA and added it to this in the design language. So when you look at it, you do see that as a Subaru product. But it's a brand new product from them, all electric with a different um, platform. It's part of Toyota's, um, they call it the e Subaru Global Platform or Toyota's ETNG platform. Two motors, all wheel drive, somewhere in excess of two hundred fifteen horsepower, two hundred fifty pound feet of torque. Some very capable units. Um, Certainly not extremely high sitting, so I wouldn't do any extreme off-roading, but very capable, as Subarus are, for their all-wheel drive capabilities. Um, This will have good uh, uh, ranges, somewhere in the excess uh, of probably around the 400-kilometer range, maybe a low fours. Should do okay with that product. It'll have a good build quality, um, and I think it's a great entry point for Subaru to kind of dip their toes into the all-electric landscape and then use that momentum moving forward.
0: There is one caveat with this vehicle, as there is with the BZ4X, correct? There is, yeah. Unfortunately,
1: uh, they've had some initial uh, issues on the Toyota product uh, with uh, some wheel uh, problems, some wheels falling off. I don't know how big that is. I don't think it's a huge number of vehicles because they only started shipping these in the last couple of months. But they've had to recall and uh, put a stop sale on this. So that delayed actually some of the launch of the Subaru products probably until the early part of next year, unfortunately. But I think they'll do okay with it.
0: Yeah, once they figure that out, just an engineering thing. Um mm-hmm. I think uh you're right. I think the, the the loyal Subaru people, um and they are loyal to that brand, um, will be very happy to see an electric vehicle option. Um let's okay, talking about Toyota, let's talk about their luxury brand, Lexus. Um Toyota, you know, as a parent company has taken a lot of heat from People like you and I, because they've been kind of slow to adopt the EV world, they're getting in there now. Um, Lexus RZ is coming. What is that all about? Well, you know, Lexus does have a very nice design language.
1: Some people don't like the gaping uh, front grille in the ICE vehicles, uh, but some do. It's a hit and miss. Now, this one doesn't have it. It's more covered than anything. But this will be their first fully electrified vehicle Uh, based on their LFZ electrified concept that they showed us a little while ago, a couple years ago. So this will be a full, sorry, a mid-size model uh, SUV, uh, dual motor, all-wheel drive. So giving somewhere in the area of, I was trying to find the horsepower. I don't don't remember what that is, but it'll be very capable horsepower. Uh, Lexus products are refined products. They're very nice. They're well-engineered, well-built quality products. They're quiet. Um, they're luxurious as much as you want to you can option these things all all kinds of different ways Um, it'll have around a 72 kilowatt hour battery pack so uh, the range seems to be a little bit lower of around 225 miles which I don't remember the math but somewhere in the high 300 kilometer range which is okay Uh, it may see we may see that being better because the aerodynamics on this looks really good so really happy to see Lexus finally starting to join that all electrification club and hopefully they'll uh, they'll they'll build enough for these to meet demand
0: yep i'm looking forward to driving it myself um okay let's talk about a company fisker that um some people might be familiar with with the fisker karma a beautiful looking um coupe that came out a few years ago or probably i don't know maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. i don't know if it's that long ago it seems like it's been around a while but it kind of um Floundered as a company. It had some financial problems, kind of disappeared for a while, but now it's back and it seems like it's solved its financial problems. It's got some good backers and um, there's a lot of buzz about their vehicle, which is an SUV, and that's called the Fisker Ocean. What's that all about?
1: Correct. Well, you mentioned where Fisker came from. So they've got some history. Um, They've aligned with partnerships with companies like Magna, uh, and these are, they have an Austrian European contract with them to help uh, build their aluminum all electric skateboard architecture for this product. Mid size uh, SUV. I had a chance to see one a couple of weeks ago in uh, San Diego when I was at a conference. Uh, I love the fit and finish of this vehicle and the design language. It's different, it pops. Um, they've got uh, this rotating screen as well, so it can be portrait or landscape mode. You can change it up. Pretty cool stuff. They're going to have up to 550 horsepower on the dual motor setup. You know, that gets you 0 to 60 in just over three and a half seconds. I mean, these are unheard of numbers that for a family SUV, uh, you know, to go to the beach with that are unheard of. Um, And this is also going to use some new generation of cells, uh, the LLFP cells. And the difference with those cells is that they don't have, you can charge them to 100% every day. They don't necessarily have not a memory type of mechanism, but um, some of the other me- manufacturers don't recommend on the NMC uh, stuff to, to to go to 100% every day. So um, they, these are going to use some next generation technologies, about 250 miles for the base, uh, in excess of 350 miles, so well in excess of 500 kilometers for the other variants. And the good thing about them is the price point. I think they're starting I don't remember if I've seen Canadian pricing, but their U.S. prices start just over 37000 U.S. So, you know, these should qualify again for that $5,000 federal incentive, most of their trims, which could get you into a nice midsize, good quality SUV for a good price. And where are these going to be built? These are going to be built at Magda's Steers plant in Graz, Austria, from my
0: understanding. Well, we've talked about a lot of cars. Um, we've left some cars off just because of time. But I mean, in your mind, you know, you're a guy who lives and breathes EV. Your EVs, your YouTube show, EV Revolution is is fantastic when it comes to consumer products. What are you excited about? I mean, what do you want to see in your driveway if you could snap your fingers right now? What EV do you want to see there?
1: Well, that's a great, uh, I mean, if, if a bucket of money fell from the sky, the Porsche Taycan uh, Sport Tourism Green would be sitting in my driveway. <laughs> As you know, it's a phenomenal car. So I'm really excited to see uh, the luxury brands continue their push. But what I'm more excited for, Andrew, is that that more mass market product. I really can't wait to see the Equinox next year be able to drive that and get that general experience of a really good all-purpose EV because that's what I've been harping on the OEMs since I've started covering my uh, following of the EV landscape is we need to get those price points done down so i'm super excited about that Um, you know bmw is coming out with more products in their i5 and i7 great mercedes we talked about them but there's even more with the eqb and the eqe products so all these oems are starting to really chug along what we just need to see is more availability as they they overcome the supply chain logistics problems and everything that the world's going through and we start seeing some of these products hit uh, hit our our dealers and hit uh, showroom floors uh, next year
0: well as always ken um wonderful to talk to you wonderful to tap that uh, brain of yours full of information and research you're you're you know one of the best in canada if not you know north america when it comes to your knowledge on this stuff and um you know i can't wait for season six just so we can have you back on the show
1: <laughs> well thank you very much you're very kind i always appreciate being on here
0: It's been said that too much choice is a bad thing, but I don't think that's the case when it comes to electric vehicles. In addition to the informative, insightful perspective Ken always provides, the point he made about how every segment, from pickups to SUVs, from sedans to sports cars, now count at least one electric vehicle in its midst, really underscores how prevalent EVs have become in this country. The early days of the EV revolution had many consumers sitting on the sidelines, rightfully saying how a small hatchback or small sedan didn't fit their needs when it comes to a vehicle. That argument no longer applies and underscores a major mile marker, well kilometre marker, on our country's long and winding journey from gas-powered vehicles to electric vehicles. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest Ken Bocor, my exceptional producer Adam Foster, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin@postmedia.com. at postmedia.com. For your dose of all things automotive, including up-to-date information on new EVs in Canada, be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, videos, and reviews. And be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode, and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from seasons one through four. The next episode goes live on Wednesday, October 5th. Thanks as always for listening. Until next time.